0: Hello again, and welcome to episode two of Memory and Top 40 Music, the podcast dedicated to revisiting the top of the pop charts through the eyes of history. Memory and Top 40 Music is available on iTunes and now also on Stitcher. I'm Joe Williams, and I hope you'll enjoy what's in store for you on this episode. On Memory and Top 40 Music, we'll go back in time together using the billboard charts to tell a few stories about the songs and the artists and hopefully strike up a memory or two. But also with an eye on what else was going on when these songs were hits. As a side benefit, I also hope you have an aha moment or two during the episode, when you learn something interesting you didn't know before. I can tell you I've had more than a couple of those, so that makes it fun. And we'll be doing all this without playing the songs. Did you know music cannot be played on podcasts? So maybe that's a shade of an exaggeration. But in order to play any song on a podcast, we'd need, at a minimum, written permission from both the record company and the publishing company, representing the finished song as well as the original composition. It's all because of copyright laws, and the use of music in podcasts is an unsettled point of law that is subject to debate, or so the quote goes. So other than imploring the right people to settle that point of law for us, we'll respect the rights of the songwriters and the performers. Instead, we'll spend our energies looking at the chart performance of the songs and their artists. Here's something for you to look forward to. This episode features the debut of the Spoken Joe Singers. Keep an ear out for that later in the show. As I mentioned in Episode 1, embedded within our chart review is a tip of the cap to the greats who set the countdown standards for us. I used to listen every Sunday morning to Casey Kasem and his great American Top 40 Countdowns. There was Dan Ingram, who unveiled the latest Music Radio 77 WABC survey every Tuesday afternoon. We heard from Kim in Olney, Maryland, who remembers every Sunday morning sitting on the floor next to the stereo speaker when stereos were a big piece of furniture, listening to Casey Kasem's Top 40. And Pat of Oradell, New Jersey also remembered Casey. So that got me wondering who did you listen to? On what radio station? What memories do you have of hearing the latest chart action? Share it with me. Either drop me a note at memory at spokenjoe.com or leave a comment on our Memory and Top 40 Music Facebook page. I'd love to hear from you. In Episode 1, we looked at the top of the chart for the week of May 28th, 1955. That's the week when the first rock and roll record to experience prominent chart success broke into the Top 10. That was Rock Around the Clock. For this episode, I've chosen an equally historic moment. March 31st, 1956. The week a certain hip-swiveling country boy from Tupelo, Mississippi, made his first appearance in the top 10 on the Billboard Hot 100 chart. You know, the Hot 100 chart had only been around since November 1955. Prior to that, Billboard had three different charts. There was the Best Sellers, which reflected in-store music sales, the Most Played by Jockeys chart, which ranked songs by Radio Airplay, and the Most Played in Jukeboxes chart, which ranked the Most Songs Played in Jukeboxes across the USA. So, as we look at the week of March 31, 1956, we are exploring what was just the 21st Hot 100 chart Billboard ever published. The story of Elvis Presley is oft-told and well-chronicled. He is referred to as the king of rock and roll for good reason. And we celebrate his Top 10 debut this week with Heartbreak Hotel. Now, there wasn't actually a number 10 song this week. There were two songs ranked at number 9 in a tie. Yeah, I'm interested in learning the details of that. But, in the order in which they were listed, the first number nine was Heartbreak Hotel. In 1954, Presley's famous Sun Records session was held, at which he recorded That's All Right." That song was released as a single with Blue Moon of Kentucky on the B-side. Elvis signed with RCA Records in 1955. On January 10, 1956, Elvis made his first network television appearance on Stage Show. It was the first of his six appearances on this Jackie Gleason-produced program. The show was hosted by Jimmy and Tommy Dorsey, and Elvis performed Shake, Rattle & Roll, and I Got a Woman. The recording of Heartbreak Hotel featured musical performances by both Chet Atkins and Floyd Kramer, on guitar and piano, respectively. Elvis's self-titled first album was released on March 23rd, and he made his initial top 10 appearance on the singles chart a week later. Over his career, Elvis would appear in the top 40 104 times. 38 times in the top 10. He'd go on to have 14 number one singles. Yes, including Heartbreak Hotel. Believe it or not, There are disputes about how many top 10 and number one songs Presley had, mostly based on how double-sided hits were counted. Perhaps a foreign concept these days, but in the old days of 45 RPM vinyl records, the hit was on the A side and it was backed by the B or flip side. In Presley's case, his songs were so popular that many of his B sides were as popular as his A sides. Hey, by the way, who remembers the record store called Flipside in Closter, New Jersey? Heartbreak Hotel debuted on the Hot 100 at number 68 on March 3rd. It leapt 40 positions to number 28 the next week, then to number 21, followed by a jump up to number 11, and the next week into the top 10. Its fourth week in the top 40. A couple of months later, Presley's at-the-time-shocking hip-gyrating performance of Hound Dog on The Milton Berle Show garnered plenty of attention, driving the kids wild, but outraging the media and many adults. This just flamed the fires of his growing popularity and this wonderful thing we call rock and roll. Elvis Presley sold over one billion records worldwide. He was nominated for 14 Grammy Awards, winning three. He won the Grammy Lifetime Achievement Award at the age of 36 and, of course, famously served in the U.S. Army. Heartbreak Hotel itself would spend a total of 14 weeks in the top 10, including seven weeks at number one, reaching the top spot on May 5, 1956. Heartbreak Hotel spent a total of 22 weeks in the top 40. In 1995, Heartbreak Hotel was inducted into the Grammy Hall of Fame and was also included in the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame's 500 Songs That Shaped Rock and Roll. By the time the song was dropping out of the top 40 in August, Elvis would have two songs in the top 40, I Want You, I Need You, I Love You and Hound Dog, neither of which, by the way, reached number one. Later that year, Elvis would make his movie debut in Love Me Tender, the first of his 33 film appearances. Elvis died on August 16, 1977. That day is one which continues to be marked annually with remembrances of Presley's life and career. I think the memory of where we were when we heard the news of the death of Elvis is one many carry with us, just as we remember where we were when we heard the news of the death of John Lennon just a little over three years later. I clearly recall where I was. August 16th, 1977. A Tuesday. My dad was home from work. We normally did a few day trips on his vacation, interspersed with days of chores and projects around the house. He and I that day were cutting the lawn together at our house in New Jersey. The yard was pretty sizable, so we were taking turns. In reality, my parents probably didn't think the lawn would get cut if they sent me out there alone. As usual, I had my radio outside with me, and I'd listen to it in between turns. For some reason, I remember hearing a song by the Brothers Johnson. I'm going to guess it was Strawberry Letter 23, which was rising on the charts at that time. Then I went off and took a turn with the mower. When I got back and handed the mower off to my dad, there was an Elvis Presley song being played on WABC. I remember thinking that was a little odd, as it wasn't a current or recent hit that they would normally be playing. My recollection is that I spun the dial to 66 WNBC and then to 1050 WHN, New York's country radio station, and both were also playing Elvis songs. When my father reached our handover spot, I said to him, Dad, I think Elvis Presley may have died. I probably pushed the mower faster than usual to get back to the radio, and when I did, there was confirmation that Elvis was dead. What are your memories of hearing the news of the death of the king? Share your memory of hearing that news, and I'll include a couple in an upcoming Memory and Top 40 Music episode. That email address again is memory at spokenjoe.com. Spoken Joe? That's me, Joe Williams. Spoken Joe. S-P-O-K-E-N-J-O-E. Memory at spokenjoe.com. The King, Elvis Presley. One of two songs this week at number nine with Heartbreak Hotel. While Elvis Presley was the king of rock and roll, our other number nine song this week is by the king of rockabilly, Blue Suede Shoes by Carl Perkins. Perkins is up three notches from number 12 the prior week. A native of Tennessee, Perkins is a prime example of how blues, gospel, and country so heavily influenced early rock music. Perkins was also a Sun Records artist and had regional success with the song he wrote, Gone, Gone, Gone but then he wrote Blue Suede Shoes, which was first released on January 1st, 1956. It first appeared on the Hot 100 on March 3rd at number 83, and the next week it skyrocketed 60 slots all the way up to number 23. Three weeks later, it was in the top 10, where it spent nine weeks peaking at number 4 for two weeks in May. Here's a piece of info that completely surprised me. Blue Suede Shoes, was the only Carl Perkins record to reach not just the top 10, but the top 40 pop charts as well. Wow. But many artists covered songs from the pen of Carl Perkins, including The Beatles, who recorded Matchbox, Honey Don't, and Everybody's Trying to Be My Baby, and Johnny Cash recorded Daddy Sang Bass. I can recall a wonderful TV special which aired on Cinemax in 1986, Blue Suede Shoes, A Rockabilly Session. This was a program which had been recorded live in 1985 and featured the likes of George Harrison, Ringo Starr, Eric Clapton, Roseanne Cash, and Dave Edmonds performing alongside Carl Perkins. I found it a thrill to watch then, and in fact, I saw it again much more recently when PBS aired it in the fall of 2016. The 1980s fashion stood out a little bit more, but the music was as good as ever. Perkins' version of Blue Suede Shoes was included by the National Recording Preservation Board in the National Recording Registry of the Library of Congress in 2006. Carl Perkins has been inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, the Rockabilly Hall of Fame, the Memphis Music Hall of Fame, and the Nashville Songwriters Hall of Fame. He also received a Grammy Hall of Fame award. Perkins died in January 1998 at the age of 65 in Jackson, Tennessee. At number 9, Carl Perkins and Blue Suede Shoes. This is Joe Williams, and you're listening to Memory and Top 40 Music as we look at the top of the charts from the week of March 31, 1956. Holding steady at number 8 this week, Bill Haley and his Comets with See You Later, Alligator. This song was written by Robert Charles Guidry, who worked under the name Bobby Charles. He also wrote Walking to New Orleans, which the late Fats Domino took to number six in August 1960. See You Later, Alligator was included in the first rock and roll musical film, Rock Around the Clock, which featured Bill Haley and his Comets as well as famous disc jockey Alan Freed, and it capitalized on the success of the hit song Rock Around the Clock from the year before. See You Later, Alligator was also recorded by Roy Hall, who co-wrote the song Whole Lotta shaking going On, which is best known for the rendition by Jerry Lee Lewis. Jerry Lee took that song to number three in 1957. See You Later, Alligator had previously peaked at number six, where it spent three weeks. The song spent 15 weeks in the top 40, eight of those in the top 10. In fact, this was its final week in the top 10. See You Later, Alligator was the last top 10 hit of Bill Haley's career. His biggest hit after this was 1958's Skinny Mini, which would reach number 22 on Billboard's Hot 100. Haley and his Comets would be on the charts three more times in 1956. The song ROCK reached number 29 in April, Rip It Up, which made it to number 30 in September, and Rudy's Rock, which peaked at number 34 in November. Bill Haley died in February 1981. He was eventually inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 1987. The Comets were separately inducted into the Hall of Fame in 2012. Haley has a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. See you later, Alligator, by Bill Haley and his Comets at number 8. It's time for our Memory Jogger feature, and in this episode, we'll take a special look at the life and career of Larry Elgart. Elgart was a jazz band leader and a saxophone player who died on August 29, 2017 at 95 years of age. Elgart's talent on the saxophone was evident at an early age, and at 15, he began playing in the big bands of Tommy Dorsey and Woody Herman. Later on, he and his brother Les started a band, but Larry Elgart made his mark when he met Bob Horn, who hosted a local Philadelphia TV show called Bandstand. Elgart and Charles Albertine co-wrote what became the theme song for the program, a song they called Bandstand Boogie. Eventually, Dick Clark became host of the show. It went national and was renamed American Bandstand. And teenagers across the country danced to Elgart's Bandstand Boogie sound for years. This is the same song which Barry Manilow put lyrics to and recorded for his 1975 album, Trying to Get the Feeling. Fast forward to 1982. Do you remember the Hooked On records of the early 80s? The Royal Philharmonic Orchestra's 1981 Hooked On Classics was an album featuring the works of famous composers such as Mozart and Beethoven played to a modern beat. As a follow-up, Elgart recorded Hooked On Swing. It was a medley of swing jazz hits such as In the Mood, Don't Sit Under the Apple Tree, Little Brown Jug, and Opus No. 1. Hooked on Swing was so popular that it became a top 40 hit, spending 12 weeks in the Hot 100, five of those in the top 40. It peaked for two weeks at number 31 in July 1982. Billed as Larry Elgart and his Manhattan Swing Orchestra, their album was a top 25 hit on the U.S. charts. They even followed it up with Hooked on Swing 2. The late Larry Elgart, who brought us Bandstand Boogie and Hooked on Classics, is the focus of our memory jogger. Thanks for the music and the memories. I'm Joe Williams, and let's turn our attention to the number seven song. The song at number seven made Frankie Lyman a household name, Why Do Fools Fall in Love, by Frankie Lyman and the Teenagers. Lyman was born in Harlem in 1942, so he was not yet 14 when this song made the charts. This song would be the biggest hit that Frankie Lyman and the Teenagers had. They also hit the top 40 with I Want You to Be My Girl in the summer of 1956 and "Goody Goody" in 1957, the latter of which was co-written by Johnny Mercer. Frankie Lyman and the teenagers went their separate ways in the fall of 1957 and neither had much success after that. Lyman's best-selling solo effort was Little Bitty Pretty One, which only made it to number 58 in 1960. Thurston Harris had a number 6 hit with Little Bitty Pretty One in late 1957, and I am quite familiar with the Jackson 5 hit of this song from 1972. The seventh spot was as high as Why Do Fools Fall in Love would get, staying there for three weeks. The song spent 16 weeks in the top 40, eight of those in the top 10. Diana Ross also took the song to number 7 with her 1981 release. Two other artists, Gail Storm... And the Diamonds also hit the top 40 with their versions of Why Do Fools Fall in Love in 1956, with Storm holding the number 16 spot on the chart this very week, while the Diamonds were at number 20. Frankie Lyman died in 1968 at the very young age of 25. The life of Frankie Lyman was depicted in the 1998 movie Why Do Fools Fall in Love? Larence Tate played Lyman in the film, which also starred Halle Berry and Vivica A. Fox. At number 7, Frankie Lyman and the Teenagers with Why Do Fools Fall in Love? In addition to the memories these great songs bring back, let's see what was going on in the world in March of 1956. Dwight Eisenhower was still in his first term as president. Morocco gained its independence from France. The Dow Jones closed above 500 for the first time. Ampex Corporation demonstrated the first commercial videotape recorder. Sudan became an independent country. On the cover of Time magazine this week was Mississippi Senator James Eastland. Born in the month of March 1956 were actor Tim Daly of the TV shows Wings and Madam Secretary, Mark Evans, bassist for ACDC, singer Tina Marie, Brian Cranston of Breaking Bad fame, astronaut Curtis Brown, National Football League stars Clay Matthews and Ozzie Newsom, two-time Olympic gold medalist Ingemar Stenmark, country singer Charlie McClain, and gymnast Kurt Thomas. Among those who died in March 1956, baseball player Fred Merkel and comedian Fred Allen. Now back to our countdown. It's time for number six on our countdown show. we will send it back now to Spoken Joe. Do, 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 do. Oh yeah, that was the debut of the Spoken Joe Singers. At number six this week, The Great Pretender by The Platters, down one from number five a week ago. The Great Pretender was the Platter's second hit, the first being Only You, which hit number five in late 1955. Ringo Starr would hit number six with Only You in January 1975. The Platters, with their sophisticated sound, were one of the most popular vocal groups of the 1950s. They formed in 1953 and were managed by Buck Ram, who was an arranger for big bands including Duke Ellington, Tommy Dorsey, Cab Calloway, Glenn Miller, and Count Basie. Their lineup of Tony Williams, David Lynch, Alex Hodge, Herb Reed, and Zola Taylor had an impressive string of hits. Taylor was the last one to join the group. She was also married to Frankie Lyman, the second of his three wives. It was the role of Taylor that Halle Berry played in the movie Why Do Fools Fall in Love, which we mentioned a few moments ago. The Platters had tremendous success on the R&B charts and were the first black act of the rock era to reach number one on the pop chart. They had four number one records on the pop charts and had three other top ten hits, altogether providing us with 22 top 40 hits. Their four number one records were My Prayer in 1956, Twilight Time in 1958, Smoke Gets in Your Eyes, the Jerome Kern classic in 1959, and The Great Pretender, which was number one for two weeks in February 1956. It remained in the top 10 for a total of 14 weeks and was in the top 40 for 19 weeks. The Platters also appeared in films, including the previously mentioned Rock Around the Clock. Lead singer Tony Williams was the first to leave the group, he left to go solo in 1961, and the Platters did not see the same chart success again. Herb Reed was the only member of the Platters to sing on all the group's recordings, and he was the last original member to depart the Platters. The Platters were inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame in 1990. None of the original Platters are alive today. At number 6, for the week of March 31, 1956, The Great Pretender by the Platters probably one of the greatest vocal performances in the rock and roll era. At number five this week, inching up from number six last week, Pat Boone and I'll Be Home. I'll Be Home was an R&B hit for the Flamingos before Boone charted with it, taking it up to number five. We just talked about the Platters, so I'll mention that their version of I'll Be Home was a minor hit in 1966, spending two short weeks in the Hot 100. What a career Pat Boone had, and actually continues to have. He charted 38 top 40 hits, 11 of those went top 10, and 5 of those reached number 1. Moody River, I Almost Lost My Mind, Don't Forbid Me, Love Letters in the Sand, and April Love. As his website says, Pat is a singer, actor, TV host, producer, songwriter, author, motivational speaker, TV pitchman, Radio personality, record company head, TV station owner, sports team owner, family man, humanitarian, a man unafraid to air his views. According to Billboard, Boone was the second biggest charting artist of the late 1950s, behind only Elvis Presley, and was ranked at number 9 in its listing of the most successful top 40 artists, 1955 to 1995. Boone still holds the Billboard record for spending 220 consecutive weeks on the charts with one or more songs each week. That's over four consecutive years on the charts without a break. When he was 23, Pat Boone began hosting his own half-hour variety show on ABC television, and he was in a number of films, including Journey to the Center of the Earth. In 1997, Boone released In a Metal Mood, No More Mr. Nice Guy, a collection of heavy metal covers. In 2006, he released Pat Boone R&B classics, We Are Family, featuring cover versions of 11 R&B hits, including the title track, We Are Family, and Soul Man. He was also majority owner of the American Basketball Association's Oakland Oaks in the late 60s. His daughter, Debbie Boone, spent 10 weeks at number one with her 1977 smash hit, You Light Up My Life. As for I'll Be Home, it had an 18 week run in the top 40, 10 of those weeks in the top 10, peaking at number five for two weeks, March 31st being the first of those two weeks at number five. Pat Boone's I'll Be Home in the number five position this week. So what else was going on in the world of entertainment in March 1956? The Broadway hit My Fair Lady opened with the first of its 2,715 performances. John Ford's western The Searchers, starring John Wayne, was released in March and was the top-grossing film the week of March 28th. Another movie released in March was Rock Around the Clock and Rebel Without a Cause was re-released, earning Oscar nominations for Sal Mineo and Natalie Wood. The top five TV shows of the 1955-56 TV season were, starting with number five, The Jack Benny Show, Disneyland, The Ed Sullivan Show, I Love Lucy, and The $64,000 Question. I'm Joe Williams, and you're listening to the second episode of Memory and Top 40 Music, and we are taking a walk through the top of the chart from the week of March 31st, 1956. Holding steady at number four this week was No, Not Much by The Four Lads. Hailing from Toronto, the four lads were discovered by Mitch Miller, who arranged for them to sing backup on Johnny Ray's huge hits Cry and The Little White Cloud That Cried. That led to their own recording contract, and their first single was The Mockingbird, which didn't have success until re-recorded and re-released, hitting number 32 in December 1958. The Four Lads' first hit was Istanbul, which reached number 10 in 1953. Their success included sales of 50 million singles and albums, and they continue to perform today. Frank Puseri, one of the group's founders, is the lone remaining original member of The Four Lads. The Four Lads were inducted into the Canadian Music Hall of Fame in 1984. No Not Much spent 19 weeks in the top 40. 12 weeks in the top 10, peaking at number 3 on April 14th. By the way, after listening to No Not Much, I'll say it would not surprise me if the Beach Boys found some of the influence for their early harmonizing in this Four Lads song. This week, the Four Lads stood at number 4 with their hit No Not Much. Have any of the songs or artists discussed in this episode generated any memories for you? If so, drop me a line and share your memory with me. Email your memory to memory at spokenjoe.com. I'll include a couple in an upcoming Memory and Top 40 music episode. Kay Starr was born Catherine Laverne Starks in Doherty, Oklahoma in 1922. She went on to become a very successful pop, jazz, and country singer. This week, she enjoyed the number three position on the charts with her hit Rock and Roll Waltz. Rock and roll waltz was one of two number one hits for Starr on the pop charts, the other being Wheel of Fortune in 1952, which spent nine weeks atop the charts. Among her other very popular songs was Bonaparte's Retreat, which was a number five hit in 1950. K-Star hit the top 40 30 times. She enjoyed a total of eight top 10 songs. Rock and Roll Waltz debuted in the Hot 100 at number 47, then jumped 33 places the next week, landing at number 14. The next week it surged into the top 10, where it stayed for a remarkable 15 weeks, including four weeks at number one in February and March. K Star died in November 2016 at the age of 94. At number three this week, K Star's hit Rock and Roll Waltz. Looking over the balance of the chart this week, the highest debuting song was at number 26, The Poor People of Paris, by Russ Morgan and his orchestra. And I'll ask you to keep that song title in mind for a few minutes. Also appearing on the charts this week were Frank Sinatra at number 40 with Flowers Mean Forgiveness, The Ames Brothers at number 35 with Forever Darling, and Louis Armstrong was at number 34 with A Theme from the Three Penny Opera the song we know better as "Mac the Knife, which would be a massive number one hit for Bobby Darin in 1959. A couple of our top 10 artists for the week of March 31st, 1956 had other songs in the top 40 that week. The Platters were also at number 31 with You've Got the Magic Touch. Elvis was also at number 25 with I Was the One. And Pat Boone had the number 21 song with Tutti Frutti. Here's an interesting one for you. We had two number eighteen songs this week. Both were different recordings of "Eddie, My Love." One by the Cordettes, and the other by the Fontaine Sisters. Teresa Brewer was also on the chart twice. Bo Weevil at number twenty-two, and A Tear Fell at number fourteen. Perry Como was knocking on the door of the top ten with two songs: "Jukebox Baby" at number thirteen, and "Hot Diggity Dog Ziggity Boom" at number eleven. And here is something I find remarkable. Other than the songs in this week's top 10, there is not another future number one song anywhere else in the Hot 100 this week. I think that's amazing. For that matter, again, outside of the top 10, there were only two former number one songs anywhere else in this week's Hot 100. Dean Martin's Memories Are Made of This at number 17 and Tennessee Ernie Ford's 16 Tons at number 82. Do-a-diddy, here's a song at number two. Okay, getting back to our review of the top ten this week, we are up to number two, as you just heard, which was Lisbon Antigua by Nelson Riddle and his orchestra. Riddle and the orchestra were also at number 32 with Port-au-Prince. Nelson Riddle was born in Oradell, New Jersey in 1921, and that's the second time we mentioned Oradell, New Jersey in this show. Riddle had a total of five top 40 hits, with Lisbon Antigua being the most successful. In fact, it spent 24 weeks in the top 40, 17 of those weeks in the top 10. But the song never made it to number one, holding in the number two position for seven weeks. Nelson Riddle arranged for and played with big band leaders Charlie Spivak and Tommy Dorsey before going on to work with an all-star roster of vocalists, which included Nat King Cole, Frank Sinatra, Ella Fitzgerald, Dean Martin, and Rosemary Clooney, among many others. Much of Riddle's work in the 1960s and 1970s was for film and TV. He scored episodes of Batman and wrote the theme song for the TV series Emergency. He also was the Smothers Brothers band leader on their Comedy Hour TV series. Riddle composed the scores of motion pictures including Robin and the Seven Hoods and the original Ocean's Eleven, and he won an Academy Award for the score of 1974's The Great Gatsby. Riddle's career got its second wind when he collaborated with Linda Ronstadt in the early 1980s. In August 1974, Riddle received a star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame. He died in 1985 at 64 years of age. At number two this week, Nelson Riddle and his orchestra and Lisbon Antigua. Before we see the song at the top of this week's chart, let's review the top ten. At number ten, okay, technically there wasn't a number ten because there were two number nines, Heartbreak Hotel by Elvis Presley and Blue Suede Shoes by Carl Perkins. Number eight was See You Later, Alligator by Bill Haley and His Comets. Frankie Lyman and the Teenagers were at number seven with Why Do Fools Fall in Love? At number six, The Great Pretender by The Platters. Number five was Pat Boone's I'll Be Home. The Four Lads were in the number four position with No, Not Much. K Star's Rock and Roll Waltz held down the number three slot. Nelson Riddle and his orchestra had the number two song with Lisbon Antigua. And the number one song on March 31, 1956. The Poor People of Paris by Les Baxter and his orchestra, yes, the same song that Russ Morgan and his orchestra had at number 26. This song by Les Baxter spent 20 weeks in the top 40, 15 weeks in the top 10, and six consecutive weeks at number one. Baxter was first known as an arranger and composer for swing bands in the 1940s. He played tenor and baritone saxophone for the Freddie Slack big band before focusing on a career as a singer. Baxter then developed his style of easy-listening music with which he had chart success in the 50s. He went on to work in films, and then in the 1980s, he scored music for theme parks such as SeaWorld. The Poor People of Paris was Baxter's biggest hit. It was originally a French song that Edith Piaf had one of her biggest hits with. Jack Lawrence, an American songwriter, adapted the song and wrote English lyrics. But in spite of those English lyrics and Les Baxter's own singing career, Baxter's version of The Poor People of Paris was an instrumental. Note there were two instrumentals at the top of the charts this week. Baxter's The Poor People of Paris and Nelson Riddle's Lisbon Antigua at number two. This was the last Top 40 hit of Baxter's career. The Poor People of Paris, which had knocked K-Star's rock and roll waltz out of the top spot a week earlier, would rest atop the charts until Elvis would dethrone Baxter on May 5th with Heartbreak Hotel. The Poor People of Paris by Les Baxter and his orchestra, number one, for the week of March 31st, 1956. And that's it, the top ten songs for the week of March 31st, 1956. I focused on this particular chart in our second episode of Memory and Top 40 Music, as it was the week that Elvis Presley first appeared in the Top 10. As discussed at the outset, copyright laws prevent us from playing these songs in the podcast. I listen to them all on YouTube, and I'm certain they are available through the variety of music streaming services. Episodes of Memory and Top 40 Music are available on iTunes and Stitcher, Please subscribe so that new episodes will be automatically downloaded as soon as they are released and don't forget to give us a rating. And while you're at it, hop over to our Memory and Top 40 Music Facebook page, facebook.com/spokenjo and like us there. Thanks for listening. I'm Joe Williams. I'll be back with episode 3 of Memory and Top 40 Music, which will actually be a special episode dedicated to the late Tom Petty. Until then, thank you.